You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins, I am Dave Griffiths. This being a, a rather interesting week for uh, for Colts coverage, Joe. We're giving our Mike Chapel just the afternoon off. Well, he's not off because he's actually hard at work producing content for Fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com. As we sit here on uh, Thursday, uh, we just heard from Colts quarterback Carson Wentz and linebacker Darius Leonard out at team headquarters today. Um, so there's some some significant, relatively significant news get based on what's happened throughout the week that, that we'll get to uh, over these next couple minutes. Uh, so, so if you want content from Mike, by all means, head online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. And I'm sure by the time we get this podcast up, Mike will have some stuff on there for you, detailing what was said out there. And you'll get to hear some of the stuff that was said uh, out there from Carson Wentz as well, specifically, and also from uh, Chris Ballard yesterday, uh, talking about the roster, talking about the uh, COVID-19 protocols and how they've already affected the Colts uh, before the season even begins. We are one week away from the NFL season. At this time next week, we're, we're going to be t- previewing a game. We're going to be previewing the Colts and the Seahawks. So that's really exciting for us. Uh, Colts have been busy making roster moves, as so many teams around the league have been. And, and with the Colts injury status, uh, they, they're maybe making some more than others because you get your 53, you put guys on IR, you sign more. It's just it, it's a bit of a cluster, to be perfectly honest. Joe. A lot of shuffling. Yeah, to, completely. So you, that this is where uh, Chris Ballard makes his money, and, and those guys make all their money this week. Uh, incidents like this where there's so much going on, you have to keep your head on the swivel and know what's happening around the league. Um, first, we will start with uh, COVID-19 continuing to impact the Colts and their roster. Carson Wentz, Ryan Kelly, and Zach Paschal all found themselves on COVID on, on the uh, reserve COVID-19 list after close contact with a staffer who had contracted COVID-19. So none of these guys caught it themselves. But what we do know about protocols in the NFL is that if you're vaccinated, close contact doesn't matter. You can be in close contact with someone if you're vaccinated. You're not going on a list because you have the vaccine. Only people who are unvaccinated go on the COVID-19 list because of close contact. And from what I understand, I think close contact is like 15 minutes in, in, in like within six feet of one person. So, so that's what. So, so by that you learn that Carson Wentz is for sure unvaccinated. We were all pretty sure about that before when he said it was a personal decision to us in camp. Ryan Kelly and Zach Pascal as well. And it, it, it spawned a, a very uh, now infamous article that has made, made its rounds around everywhere from one of our friends at the Indy Star, Greg Doyle, was, um, was not too happy with uh, Carson Wentz's, uh, in particular, decision to be vac- unvaccinated. He certainly singled Carson out uh, in terms of this. He, d- he did not, and called him out completely, uh, said he would help him pack on his way out of town. Um, did that to Carson, didn't do it to Ryan Kelly, didn't do it to Zach Paschal, um, Darius Leonard uh, also today telling people why he's unvaccinated. Greg Doyle hasn't come out and said anything about Darius Leonard. So he, he decided just to make it about Carson Wentz. And uh, as you can tell, probably I have my own opinions on that. And I'm not going to get into them. I don't, I don't, I don't want to here. But, um, but nevertheless, Joe, is, this has been a, a certainly an eventful week for the Colts. And, and what it does is it shows what can't happen in the regular season. Because if you're an unvaccinated player and you find yourself on the COVID-19 list after a close contact, you have to be there, have to, for five days after that contact, even if you're testing negative every day. So if this was the case, if this was a regular season, uh, if this happened on a regular season Wednesday or a Thursday, 
the Colts would have been without their starting quarterback, their starting center, and their wide receiver who took the most snaps on the team last year. So, so we got a preview of what can possibly happen if one of the worst things possibly happens sometime during this regular season. Yeah, and it just goes to show how significant of a disadvantage, a competitive disadvantage it is uh, in being in unvaccinated, especially among the top players on your team, such as the quarterback. I think it came out today that the Buccaneers are 100% vaccinated, all players, all staff, everybody. So that's something that they're just not going to have to deal with at all. They don't have to worry about that. Of course, if someone tests positive, that's another deal um, if, with the breakthrough cases uh, that are going to happen. Uh, the vaccine is not 100%. But, I mean, I think the Colts are at a clear disadvantage this season unless some of these players um, get vaccinated. I know they said they have their personal reasons, personal decisions. Darius Leonard said something today like he wants to learn more. Um, I, I'm not sure what exactly that means, but uh, hopefully at some point, whatever more means, he'll learn that and get vaccinated so that um, he can stick around and be with the team whenever these close contacts happen. I think one of the most frustrating things for, for many fans now is the how vague some of these players are talking about about this issue. And I understand why they are. A lot of players talk in, uh, in very vague uh, instances or vague explanations to the media, and they've done that forever. Um, but but when, when the stakes are seemingly so high for your team, one game being so... Last year, the Colts were 11-5, and five and they barely made the playoffs. Barely. One game matters. They wouldn't have made the playoffs if it wasn't for the extra playoff spot that exactly. was added. Exactly. Like... So so you go and you just hear, I'm hoping to learn more. Well, the vaccine's been around for a long time. I, I don't know what more you want to learn that's not already out there. And what Carson Wentz had to say, we'll hear from him a little bit more in a bit, but saying it's a personal decision for me and my family. I respect everyone else's decision. I want to ask everyone to do the same for me. I realize that's not the world we live in. I've weighed a lot of things. I know what's at stake, uh, and I know where I am with my family. But, but, but what do you mean by that, where you are with your family? I think if there's a legitimate reason that, that within your family that you can't get vaccinated, I will be glad to listen to it. But when you just say it's a family issue and then you don't explain what it is, and first sure. of all, he has no, he has no necessary – he does not have to tell me. I, I'm not sitting here whining and saying, why isn't Carson Wentz telling me what this reason is? I'm saying as long as he doesn't give a specific reason, people are going to be upset. Sure. And I understand – and he, he kind of recognizes that, saying it's not the world we live in. So – so he's in a place where he is comfortable facing uh, a little bit of uh, harsh reality from, from the outside world. Um, it, it, and inside closed doors at the facility, there have not been uh, any, any big blowups as of yet, because, probably mostly because we're still in the preseason. You hear from guys like DeForest Buckner, who is vaccinated and has told people that, that he strongly encourages uh, other players to get vaccinated, that he, as a man, respects the other guy's decisions. I wonder, Joe, how much that will last if it goes into the regular season and this happens once and this happens twice. Like, how much will what uh, players say now really last if indeed their their um, their starting quarterback or their starting All Pro guard in Quentin Nelson, uh, who was also on the COVID nineteen list because of close contact last week, um, and then came back after five days. 
Like, wh what happens if this guy, these guys miss a game or two that really matters in the regular season? Then the Colts mantra saying, hey, we're going to button down, batten down the hatches. We're going to stick together. We support each other, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, whether that, that will really get put to the test in the regular season if something like this, what we saw with Carson Wentz, happens in a game that matters. Well, and I, I totally get what you're saying, because if you had said something like, um, I'm allergic to something in the vaccine, that's why I can't get it, which is the case with some people. Um, there are s rare medical reasons why you can't get it, but he hasn't said anything like that. Um, something like that would get him off his back. And something that I found really interesting that Chris Ballard said was, this isn't like last year. We have full capacity in the stadiums. Players have their families coming into town. It's not like last year when everyone was basically in a bubble as much as you could and you could avoid it. Um, that's kind of the thing. We're basically opened up at this point, and if you haven't gotten the vaccine, it's going to be much, much harder to stay away um, from these cases as they pop up. So it's a clear disadvantage. I got to say, I, I, I respect these guys' decisions, but I, I at the same time, I don't understand them, um, which is where I think a lot of people are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the FDA is federally approved. I think the Pfizer vaccine... Yep. Um, and this could be something where I could see going forward. I mean, especially with all these variants that keep popping up as the virus continues to mutate, it doesn't look like this is going away anytime soon. I could see this be a thing where going forward, teams work language into contracts. That's something like, okay, you don't have to get vaccinated, but if you miss a game because of COVID reasons, you're not getting that game check or, or something of that nature because at a certain point, you're doing your team, uh, the players around you, the guys who depend on you as you work towards the common goal of a championship, a disservice. So uh, I can kind of see both sides. I, I don't think a mandate is the way to go. You never want to mandate anything. It's going to make people push against it even harder. Um, but it, but it's a really tough situation for the entire team. I, I want to add one thing before we really do kind of wrap up and listen to Chris Bowden and Carson Wentz directly about this. And that's just because of something that I've seen uh, on Twitter when Mike, when Mike Chappell goes and posts something in like this uh, on, like I, I look at his replies and, and there's my first mistake looking yeah. in Twitter replies. So, so that, that's, that's on me, but some battles in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but bless his heart. Chap doesn't really get into them. Good for him. I, I sometimes can't help myself like the idiot I am. But, um, but, but anyway, like w when, when people are saying, I just want to, I just want to set the record straight on something here. Like when when people say that vaccination doesn't stop the virus, people can still get it after getting the vaccine. So what's the point of all this? Like because that's something you see all the time. Like oh well, it doesn't matter if he gets the vaccine or not because people still catch still catch the virus. And but but there's a huge difference in the NFL as we have talked about on this podcast. So I might be preaching to the choir right now over the past month or two months between how the NFL treats vaccinated players and unvaccinated players. And like we were just saying the, over the past few minutes, if you're unvaccinated and you're just around someone, a trainer who was working on you for 30 minutes who catches COVID because of a breakthrough case himself, you have to sit out. If you're a vaccinated player, you do not have to sit out. That, that's it. It's not that, it's not that the vaccine stops every single case. It's that the vaccine keeps you available if you are testing negative, if you continue to test negative, even if you're around people who test positive. So availability, Joe, we always say is the best ability. And, and uh, players have said that over the years, and it remains true this year. So th this is just going to be, it's going to be a weekly thing for the Colts. Does anything happen? Is anyone forced to sit out? 
what is going to be the, the news that comes out on a Friday this week. And it's going to force the Colts really, I think, to be a little bit more creative in some things with some of these unvaccinated players, with trainers especially, because, I mean, Carson Wentz goes back to the training room and he needs 30 minutes of work on his foot for some reason, because his foot is still recovering from surgery. Like, you can't have the same trainer on him now for 30 minutes, just in case that trainer catches COVID and it tests positive, and then all of a sudden you lose your quarterback. So you're going to have to rotate, guys. Like I said, this is going to be one way the Colts have to get creative, is rotating the people who are working on their unvaccinated players. You need multiple trainers. If he needs 30 minutes of work, you get one guy for 10, one guy for 10, one guy for 10, or whatever it might be. So, so th- th- these are the things that they're going to have to deal with over this entire season. And something Chris Ballard has said, they'll deal with whatever comes up, but they are going to have to really like, look under every rock to see what every opportunity is for these players to come in close contact with other people in the building who are getting tested on a daily basis so that they cannot lose these guys, if at all possible, for a game that truly matters. That's a good point. And the pressure that it puts on the staff and trainers to do, do I go to this family function this weekend, even though I'm vaccinated, if I get a breakthrough craze and I'm the reason that Carson can't play next weekend or something like that i think in that case like you can say like yes i get you and i think what everyone else will say is it's it's still like it's it's still carson's fault in that case like it's not the person who catches covid you know what i'm saying sure yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just saying the extra pressure that carson and other people are putting on the staff right um in that area it just goes to show i get it's a personal decision but it affects way more than that one person Mm -hmm. yes completely and like and, and what Carson and all these other guys are, are weighing is like your for your family, like is it important for your family to do one thing or is it important for the team. And when those two things come in into clash with one another, even though he's not explaining how it's necessarily not the best thing for his family, like wh- what what wins out? And, and for me, I speak personally, like my family will win every, every time over my job. And, sure, and I'm sure yeah. for you, too, you're a married man now. Uh, like, your, your family, your, your wife is more important than your job. My wife and my kid and my future kid are more important than my job. It just is. And that's what it should be for everyone. Um, but, but then if you don't explain exactly how, how it matters and how, like, that, that weighing is going on in your mind, then you're just going to get people who are, who are frustrated because they don't understand. Like you were saying, that's what the frustrating thing is. People just don't understand. They're not getting a good explanation. And guess what? You're not going to get one because Carson doesn't have to give you one. I think he should, um, but nevertheless, he doesn't have to. So, yeah. so that's, that's where we are. transparency would be appreciated, but like you said, he doesn't have to give it. And again, we're in the media, so of course we want transparency. <laughs> Naturally, we want transparency. So uh, it, it, it's the age-old, uh, age-old um struggle between uh, the media and the people we're trying to cover is just for a little bit more transparency. So uh, anyway, it's been a frustrating situation for Colts and Colts fans who will remain uh, one of the least vaccinated teams as the season gets started. Uh, You mentioned the second team, the Buccaneers, uh, along with the Falcons, now 100% vaccinated among players, coaches, and whatnot. But uh, Colts general manager Chris Ballard is not going to give a percentage right now uh, of this week. He said it's, quote, getting better. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, Carson Wentz missed some practice time leading into this week, and we did get to hear from General Manager Chris Ballard after the cut to 53 and after Carson Wentz got put onto the COVID-19 list earlier this week. So let's hear what uh, Chris Ballard had to say. Let me let me put it this way: you know, we put, and I think all of you have been in our locker room. You know, you know the kind of guys we're dealing with here. These are these are good players who are good people, want to win, great in the community do everything right. And we put a lot on them. I mean, that's part of who we are 
is that we put on a lot, a lot on the locker room to, to hold each other accountable, and they know the standard of what we have, and I trust that they'll do that. I don't, I don't ever live in a world where you're always thinking about – I don't live in a glass half-empty world. I just don't. I always think about the positive. I always see the positive, and whatever happens, we will deal with. That's kind of what we've done every time since we've been here. Anything negative happens, we keep rolling. I mean, Barry – I mean, I still go back to Barry, Coach Alvarez, you know, in college. I mean, it, it echoes through my head all the time. Don't flinch. No matter what happens, don't flinch. There's going to be problems. There's going to be problems in every season. There's going to be injury. There's going to be breakthrough cases. There's going to be COVID. Let me finish. There's going to be COVID. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to every team. You move forward. You don't. I don't sit here and worry about the negative. We know the protocols. We know what we need to handle, and that's what we'll do. Those are fair questions that you're asking. We got to make sure we have enough depth. That's critical. Um, we have to make sure we have it covered at every position. And those guys have the guys that are have chosen not to be vaccinated. They've got to follow the protocols to a T, to a T, because if there's consequences with not being vaccinated, we talked about this the last time. You know, do I think everybody should be vaccinated? Absolutely, I do. I am for the vaccine. Frank is for the vaccine. We have a lot of guys on our team that are for the vaccine. And I want to make sure that people understand that, you know, around our community, that this is a good thing. Is it 100% perfect? No. No, it's not. But it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. It can help you from ending up in the hospital in a critical situation. Um, and it, it helps stop some of the spread. And those are positive things. But for the guys who have chosen to not get vaccinated, they understand that they they're still part of this team. It's their decision, but they're still part of our team, and they have to take care of the team. They have to protect the team. We've talked a lot about that. They have to protect the team. And being on the field, because some of them are some of our really good players, they've got to do everything they can to protect the team. And them playing helps us win. So they got to follow the protocols to a T. We're actually going to meet with team leadership to go through that. Um, and, and I would suspect we would, would, we would take some steps here to make sure that, you know, we're, we're all protected, not only in the building, but away from the building. Like I have, we usually do really good. Like I, my, I'm almost more concerned about away from the building. You know, we have fans in the stands this year. We're going to have families coming in, players' families coming in. I mean, all of that creates more risk, not only for unvaccinated players, but vaccinated players with the breakthrough cases. So that, you know, that's something we're all going to have to deal with. So that's something we're going to deal with our leadership and, and work through our team through. Hey, look, I could beat my head against the wall. I could go in there and raise all kinds of hell and go off and, and that's just not how we roll, man. We, I believe in our guys. I believe in what they stand for, and I'm gonna stand, I'll stand by them. Um, we'll continue to work on the vaccination. It's not like we're done. It's not like we're done educating. Um, and they know the importance of team. They understand the importance of team. And I can already see the comments on, you know, after making that statement. But they understand that they have to take care of the protocols at hand, and they have to live by them. And we'll do that at the, at the best of the ability we can do it. I always think we're going to find an answer.
I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't weigh it. I don't, you know, I don't sit in bed at night thinking we're not going to find an answer. Well, no matter what the problem is. I mean, that's our job, solve problems. Um, that's our job. And I have enough trust and faith in our entire group from scouting, we excellent scouting staff, um, coaching to whatever, whatever we're dealt. We'll, we'll deal with it. I mean, people forget, like at the end of last year, we were, we're playing with our fourth, fifth, sixth tackles and finding ways to win. And you deal with it and whatever the pro- – every, every team has a hole. I mean, let's be – and I know right now everybody nah, – now every, every team has holes. Every team has a hole and something that they got to play around. Who does it better? Who does it, who does it better? So that was Colts general manager Chris Ballard. And then earlier today, as we taped this podcast on Thursday, Carson Wentz returned to the practice field off the reserve COVID-19 list. And he also spoke with the media. Here is Carson Wentz. I felt great to finally get out there in full pads. Um, obviously, was hoping a little earlier this week, but um, things happened. So, uh, yeah, felt good to get out there finally uh, with the guys, really mostly a full squad. Um, up front and everything, so um, some mistakes, some things to clean up and all of that, but um, I thought it was just fun to get out there finally and start getting dialed in for Seattle. Carson, what you went through last week with the limited, or the, the last week's training camp and then this, are you as confident as you can be that the foot's fine? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's something that I'm listening to the doctors and I'm listening to the trainers and everything, so doing as much as they allow me to. Um, obviously, that's why I didn't take every single rep out there and um, you know, I got to listen to them, but you know, I'm optimistic about where I'm at uh, with the foot and mentally with the offense and everything. So um, we'll see how it plays out. It's pretty good. It's in a pretty good place. Carson, with, uh, with everything that happened this week, we can put together that you've chosen not to get the vaccine. You said it was a personal decision when we started. Do you want to address now why you made that choice? And, and do you feel like you're doing everything? Chris said yesterday, these guys need to be available. You feel like you yeah. everything to be available Yeah, trust me, it's, it is a personal decision. I'm not going to go into depth on, on why, um, but I will say, you know, it's, it's a personal decision for me and my family, and, you know, I respect everybody else's decision, and, you know, I just ask that everybody does the same for me. I know that's not the world we live in. Not everyone is going to equally view things the same. Um, but, yeah, no one really knows what's going on in someone, someone else's household and how things are being handled, so... Uh, it's a personal decision. That's just where I'm at on it. And, um, you know, with the protocols and everything the way they are, it, it's really for us, it's all about understanding them clearly um, and making sure that we are, in, you know, dotting our I's, crossing our T's, all of those things so that, you know, we can avoid what happened this week with a couple of us. Do you appreciate the, the attention with the franchise quarterback who, you know, you didn't even test positive. It was like a close contact thing. That could that could very much happen at some point this season. Yeah, trust, trust me. I've I've weighed weighed a lot of things, and I've I've you know factored in everything, and, and I know I know what's at stake. I know all of those things, and, and like I said, it's it's just where where I'm at, uh, where I'm at with my family, um, and you know that's why you know just understanding the protocol to to truly try everything we can to avoid. What happened this week? You know, it is it is what it is. You know, whether we agree or not with the protocol and the rules, they're in place. So we got to honor them as best as we can, so we can avoid uh, what happened. Yeah, this has been a fluid process for me this whole time. 
Um, and, you know, that's kind of where, as a family, we've just been monitoring everything we can, um, letting it play out as long as we can. And, you know, this is, this is where we're at today. And things could change, you know, in the next coming weeks or who knows, you know, who knows where this world's going, who knows where the protocol's going, if that'll change. Um, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on a vaccine or a virus or any of that. And so that's just where we're at right now. Did, did, did what happened this week, did that even say, you know what, talk, you talk to your wife and said maybe we should think about getting vaccinated it, as, as a family or, or you, after considering it was a close contact and it wasn't even a matter of you, you know, Right. Positive. Trust me, there's, it's been an ongoing process for me, for my family, um, and so it's, you know, this happening this week, I think it kind of woke us up on really the protocol and just understanding um, how this happens and, and just understanding some of the gray areas with the league and making sure we, we, we know and that um, we know what, what's at stake and, and how to avoid it. So, um, but yes, like I just mentioned, it is a fluid process and I'm weighing every pro and con out there and it, you know, it keeps me up at night. There's a lot of things uh, that go on inside my head, but it's just where we're at right now. Chris and Frank have said that they're, they're continuing to try to educate and encourage you guys to get back. Do you feel like they're trying to persuade you? Or, or, and what are those conversations like? No, uh, they've been great. Um, I, I mean, we're, we're all smart. The, competitively, of course, they want everybody to, and I get it. And I respect the heck out of both those guys uh, for, you know, trusting me, bringing me in here, all of those things. Um, but, no, it, it's been a very healthy, you know, they, they tell us the facts, they tell us their opinion, um, but there's no pressure, there's no uh, – but it, but it's, in, it's set in the right way, you know, because we know what's at stake, we know as a team where we want to go, um, and we know some of these things can hinder if we let them. That's why we got to do everything we can to not let it be a distraction and to dis be on top of it with the protocol and everything. If this happened in the regular season, Trust me, it would be unfortunate, um, and so it's it's something that it's it's unfortunate that that's kind of where we're at. Um, but I get it. You know, there's rules and protocols, and like I said earlier, whether we agree or not, um, I'm fortunate enough to do this, and I'm employed by the NFL. So at the end of the day, uh, we got to honor what they say, and so um, let's hope that doesn't happen. And then let's use this hopefully as a, as a lesson learned to, to avoid everything we can. And um, you know, try and be out there and be available every weekend. Carson, we talked about following the protocols, but vaccinated or not, um, just given the stakes, do you feel like you need to go above and beyond the protocol just because, you know, we're all at risk? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that with this pandemic, even going back to last year, there's, there's a lot of unknown. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert in it, but there's a lot of unknown that I think everyone handles it differently. But being here within the NFL with the protocol and, and trying to be available, like I just said, yeah, you definitely you do want to go above and beyond and make sure you're smart with what you do, not only in this building, but outside this building and just understanding um, both to be available, but also from our health standpoint, everyone you know has a different approach and opinion on on their health with this matter. So there's there's a lot of things that um, unfortunately are, are taking our attention away from football. So we try and keep it as much as we can about football here and just make sure we're on top of those things um, in and out of the building um, to, just so we can be available and be healthy. What would you do as far as would you do anything to try to get yourself continuing heading in the right direction to a play? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not just three straight days off uh, for me, for sure. I'll definitely get some good family time in, um, which is always fun. Uh, but 
you know, I'll be in here working out and continuing to, to progress and rehab this foot so that, you know, hopefully le- next week we're, we're optimistic and we're in a good place. Yeah, last one here. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. What did you learn from last week and going on close contact? What, was there a mistake made by you, you felt like? What, what did you learn? No, I mean, it, it's something that learned it, it can be tough to avoid some close contacts um, and just really trying to further understand and, and you know, push the league to just make it clear to us, so, which, which has been, you know, addressed, um, just so it's clear to us how we can avoid those situations. And, um, you know, I, I could dive into the details, but I'm not, I don't need to. You know, I, I don't think anybody made any big mistakes. It was just kind of the way, the way it unfolded. And so we learned from it, and, you know, we're going to do everything we can to avoid it going forward. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. I mean, I was frustrated, just like the other guys. I mean, nobody wants to be out, especially when you're when you're coming in here every day testing negative. Um, and so you 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 want to be out there. And I'm at home watching meetings uh, from my office and all of those things. It's it's frustrating, but uh, you know, I I use the time to still get better with my foot, still be locked in, watch some extra film. Um, and I was really excited to get back out there finally today. Okay. Think you'll be ready to play in 10 days, 11 days? I'm optimistic, but again, we'll see. I'm optimistic, we'll see. It's going to come down to how the doctors feel, uh, where I'm at and everything. But just being out there full pads today, taking you know a handful of reps, I think was a, definitely the step in the right direction. Right. Thank you, guys. So anyway, Joe, like we said, this, this is going to be an ongoing thing throughout the year. And if there, if there are any more important stuff when it comes to this, we'll, we'll certainly give you guys, the viewers uh, uh, and the listeners, a little, uh, a little heads up that it's coming. We'll check us out on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I'm at Dave G underscore sports. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Mike Chappell is at Chapel 51 And I know in the past, Joe, really, especially over this past year, this past offseason, I have, I've certainly tried to curtail our COVID-19 discussions because I know it's like, people are sick of it in, in, in some sense, but but when it's this important, we simply can't ignore it. So so that's why we devote just a little bit more time to it this week. I hope we don't have to devote this much time to it in the future, but as long as it is important for the field product, the on-field product of what the Colts are going to deliver on Sundays, it would be a heinous omission if we did not give yeah. you guys a little bit more information about what's going on behind the scenes. It's not fun to talk about. Yeah. I'd rather talk about football and how Carson Wentz is going to throw 10 touchdowns to Michael Pittman Jr. this year. <laughs> Your <but> boy. <laughs> my boy. Him and Mike Strawn. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just something where when it impacts what happens on the field so clearly or has the potential to, it hasn't yet. Uh, but when it has the potential to, we got to talk about it. Well, let's continue on to more things that are impacting the Colts on the field. And that come with injuries and injured reserve. And that is where we find T.Y. Hilton this week. The Colts have put T.Y. on IR after going through a surgery to address a disc issue. That's what uh, Frank Reich called it in his neck. Uh, the good news, Joe, is when Chris Ballard spoke, he said it was instant relief for T.Y. after this surgery, for the disc issue. So um, I don't know exactly what that means in terms of the severity of what this is and the uh, the rehab process and how long it comes back. Um, it, it would take T.Y. to come back. But uh, again, what, what Frank says, uh, it, it, as is certainly true, if there's any person who can return to the field faster than the average person, T.Y. Hilton might absolutely be it. A quick healer, as Ballard called him. Yep. Um, and... I don't. I, I kind of got the sense that if he absolutely had to, if this was the playoffs, this was something he could have played with. Because it seems like this happened a few weeks ago when he came down hard during training camp. But you know, before the season starts, get it taken care of. I think the Colts are kind of expecting a slow start to the season and then get better as it goes along. I think Ballard used that language. 
um, during his time with the media. So get it taken care of now. He only went on the three-week IR, um, so he'll miss at least the first three weeks of the season, but hopefully by week four he'll be ready to go and contribute. So, yeah, that, that's one thing, again, that I really love that the NFL has carried over from last year's COVID crazy season with the, uh, the changes to the injured reserve rules, that you can put as many people as you want on injured reserve, or you can bring them back as, as soon as three weeks. I think that's it's great for the fans because you don't if you have players that are going to be out for a couple weeks – like they don't have to be out for six weeks, you know, to put them on IR. Even if they're fine after three weeks, you get to see more of them. And it's really great, obviously, for the general managers around the league and Chris Bowd. It just gives them more roster flexibility. They don't have to sacrifice uh, a roster spot uh, with a injured player and, and put other players out there that don't aren't that aren't as good. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So yeah, you, hold on you, to a Patman yeah, or exactly. a Strawn or yeah. Doolin. Or. Yeah. So so all, all in all, I'm I'm happy to see this change go over for for one year. And what's your take on the receiver position now? Because we we've been saying all preseason and all throughout training camp that this is a pretty deep group, and I certainly agree with that. But but also when you look at the very top, the tip top, this might be a pretty good group. One through what's now five, I guess. So if you include Ty, one through six. But if you have a guy like who, who's your number one right now that you have guys that you like, but no guy has proven that he can be a reliable number one receiver in this league yet. I think this falls on Pittman Jr. to step Probably. up and be the number one. And to be honest, going into the season, I was kind of expecting Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell to step up. If T.Y. Hilton had to be the number one guy again, that was, I kind of saw that as a failure for the rest of the group and not a good thing for the receiving core for your 31-year-old guy you brought back on a one-year deal to have to lead your team again. Uh, I think it's going to come down to Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell uh, to step up in this receiving group, and they're just going to have to do that uh, immediately from week one, from the jump. I think they're capable. Uh, You guys know how high I am on uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I think Paris Campbell will add a nice element to the offense that wasn't there the year before. And anyone who's listened to our podcast, by the way, download, subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop every week. You know that that I was really bullish on T.Y. Hilton this year, and I remain so if he comes back and he's healthy. Just because of... I hate to to compare his relationship with uh, Carson Wentz to what his relationship with Andrew Luck was, but there are just some similarities between Andrew Luck and Carson Wentz in their, uh, in, in their abilities to, to break the pocket, to break tackles, to, to extend plays that certainly Phillip Rivers didn't have. And, and really, like, Jacoby Brissett had it to a, a little bit. I thought he was really elite at working around in the pocket. That's the one place that he was he's truly, truly exceptional at and then finding receiver, but he just didn't attack down the field so much as Andrew Luck did, and Carson Wentz likes to do as well. So that's why I really thought that, that just their skill sets meshed. It would have, been, would have been cool to see them in perfectly healthy scenarios, both of them come out onto the field and see what they can do. Well, now, obviously, that's not the case because Carson had foot surgery and T.Y. had neck surgery. So even when they come back and they'll be together, it's not going to be a perfect situation. I know you're laughing. I'm laughing, but... You got to laugh through the pain. I exactly. mean, what an offseason for the Colts. And exactly. For the last several off-seasons, I mean, I, I can't remember an off-season with as many different things going wrong for the Colts as this one between coaches getting breakthrough cases, players uh, going on the COVID list, injuries to Quentin Nelson, to uh, Carson Wentz, to Ryan Kelly, now T.Y. Hilton. I mean, it, it's better than Andrew Luck retiring two weeks before the regular season, but it's a close second, I would say. And then there was the other off-season with the shoulders. So these... 
The Colts fans and fan base has been through some rough times uh, the last few summers anticipating the season. Ever since Chris Ballard came here to the Colts, it has been nothing <laughs> short of entertaining. And he laughs about it, too. So, uh, so yeah, kudos to him for, for taking a, a good attitude toward it. Because, like you said, if you, if you don't laugh, you'll cry about it. Um, uh, other injuries, Sam Tevy. Excuse me. The uh, offensive tackle is out for the season after tearing an ACL and an MCL in the preseason finale in Detroit. Uh, Tevy had really settled into the backup right tackle role as Julian Davenport kind of won the starting job at left tackle until Eric Fisher returns. Which, by the way, it sounds like Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are pretty bullish uh, on his return sooner rather than later. Um, like just reading between the lines, they they weren't ready to say he would be ready week one or week two, but um, when he gets back from COVID. And it's certainly a, a, a rough, rough patch for him to catch co- for him in particular mm-hmm. to catch COVID at this time because you have to stay away from the facility, because right as your um, your rehab was coming to a head, like we had seen him out on the field a little bit. He's not participating in practice technically, but he was so close to returning and being in drills and in team drills just to be that really final test before being ready to go. Like this is certainly a step back, but if he can come back, Joe in the same place where he left. And I know that's certainly challenging because you have to do stuff at home and just to, to keep yourself in tip-top shape. But if he can come back exactly where he left off, it's likely that we're going to see Eric Fisher out there sooner rather than later and certainly blow away what, what our expectations were in the offseason that maybe he would be back in mid to late October. Yeah, it, it'll be a really great sign if when he gets off the COVID list and they don't put him on IR, that means he week one or two is... Close. He's in play. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For Which sure. would be one of the better Achilles recoveries I could ever remember. For real. Yeah, me too. Um, quarterback Sam Ellinger is on injured reserve with a knee sprain that he suffered in the Lions game, which honestly is is the best possible news that you could have gotten after seeing him go out and limp out. And what Frank Reich had said that it doesn't look good after the game. When I was in Detroit hearing him say that, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. Like that, that sounds like a, whenever, whenever you get that from the head coach, and especially Frank Reich, who's a pretty positive guy, saying oh, that didn't look good, then you're, you're always thinking that the worst could possibly happen. So uh, in, in, inside closed doors, they definitely thought uh, this was ACL or MCL tear, but it turned out to just be the rare ACL sprain, uh, which is a mild tear, I think, if we listen to our, our, pal Will Car- our pal Will Carroll, at injury expert on Twitter. But it's not a bad one. It's one that can be rehabbed. So I've seen... We had some video just from practice today. He's out there. Uh, Sam Ellinger is just like with a wrap around his knee. It's not even like a full brace around his knee. So they're just trying to keep things relatively steady in there as he uh, as he rehabs, as he gets back ready. They're keeping him uh, on the roster, I think, Joe. Uh, like when, when he gets off of IR, they want to keep Carson and Jacob Eason, who's now the backup de facto, and, and Sam Ellinger because he impressed them enough in camp that he's earned a roster spot to have a third quarterback on this 53-man. Yeah, Ballard, Ballard said so this week. They're going to roll with three quarterbacks whenever he comes back um he impressed enough and i think you don't feel you're concerned about the backup position for this year but i am excited going forward having these two young quarterbacks who have both shown something during the offseason that they can develop into one of the better backups in the league if not a solid starter the Colts have also acquired, well, I skipped over one, Des Patman also on injured reserve. He left the Detroit game with a foot injury, too. So uh, add him to the mix of uh, wide receiver that will, will probably be back on the 53 when and he's ready. Did you get a feel of how severe the foot was? Is this a three-week thing? or <clears throat> I think it's, I, I did not, I, I didn't get the sense that it was that severe. Okay. So I don't think this is an eight-week like thing. Or no, or eight I don't. Week. I don't think so. Okay. 
Um, but but we'll see about that. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. I, I don't want to say that that's that's for sure. Um, I hadn't seen anything official as far as the severity, right, so right. I didn't me, know if I missed something. Right, me neither. Um, anyway, the Colts have acquired tackle Matt Pryor in a trade with the Eagles. More trades with the Eagles. Uh, seventh round pick and Pryor coming over from Philly, and the Eagles get the Colts' sixth round pick next year. Uh, so that's two Colts picks at the Eagles. Uh, three, well, one of them was this year. One of them was the, the third rounder this year. So yeah. now they get two picks next year that are the Eagles, either the first or the second, and then down the sixth. Uh, next year. So a little bit about uh, Matt Pryor. The, the, the dude is big. He is a large human being. He big is 6'7", 332 pounds. So he's one of the few uh, human beings on a football field who can stare uh, DeForest Buckner in the eye. Yeah. Like, so they, they needed someone who could just stand and uh, stand and stare at him, I guess, from the other side of the ball. But uh, uh, they, they need a little bit more depth on that side with Tevi out. Uh, and they liked Pryor, went out and made the trade to get him. Saw action in 15 games, Joe, that you have here in 2020. Had a 10 starts, uh, made some at guard, some at tackle. Um, more of them were at guard, but he's just an example of, like, the, the Eagles' offensive line was was an absolute disaster last year. He was part of it, unfortunately so. Um, that uh, I think he gave up six sacks, which was tied for, like, second most, according to pro football focus, of any one offensive lineman. But you know, being a big guy, he's he's more he's certainly a guy that you don't want to start. He's a guy you want as a reserve back there and a guy you want to develop a little bit further into the future. But um, when, when Tevi went out, this was not a surprise to see the Colts go out and try to sign someone to add some more depth on that offensive line. In the positional flexibility, it's nice as yeah, well to plug him in. Six starts at right tackle, three at... Uh, I'm sorry, six starts at right guard, three at right tackle, and then one at left tackle. I would imagine most of those sacks given up were at the tackle positions uh, rather than inside at guard where he can really use his size and strength and not have to be as nimble. But uh, this is a guy who, you know, I was surprised they kind of cut Will Holden. Uh, he landed back on the practice squad there, but he the Colts clearly like what Pryor gives them a little more than Holden. Yeah, you bring up Holden in the trimmed to 53 he was one of the more notable names since he started at left tackle for a game for the Colts last year uh, probably the most notable name was fifth round pick Sean Davis the uh, rookie safety out of Florida uh, he started the year the the training camp with a little injury I think it was a hamstring yeah, that he was dealing never with really got his footing so yeah it was it was tough for him to really get going in training camp we saw him a little bit especially in that Detroit game um, I think he flashed once or twice uh, out there that I saw him make a good rough, uh, hard-nosed tackle, and that's what he was kind of known for at Florida, being a, a big hitter at safety back there. Um, so so we'll see if he can develop on the practice squad. Uh, the Colts kept six wide receivers, including Mike Strawn, Des Patton, who's now on injured reserve, and Ashton Doolin. Um, <clears throat> I think that... Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, none of the keeps, uh, n- nobody was surprised by by these guys making it. Um, no, and it, it kind of, at the time, Pascal was on the IR, so right. he didn't count towards the roster spot, and then he comes off and T.Y. goes on IR, now Patman's on IR. Um, so a lot of shuffling with the Colts receivers, but they were able to keep everybody. Yeah, so you had seven guys, really, that you wanted, I think, on your roster, and because of this, they, they were able to. So a little bit of luck from Chris Ballard, perhaps, so that you don't have to put Good Desmond Patman out there. Yeah, exactly, um, <laughs> to uh, to you know, to the Wolves, sort of, on the um, on the waiver wire. Um, but but nevertheless, uh, that that's what they look like now. They, they've managed to keep them all for now, um, and we'll see if they're able to do that for the rest of the regular season, too. Um, what, what we, uh, what also happened in the cuts to 53, they do have a, the Colts have a streak of 22 years with an undrafted free agent making the roster, but that is certainly in jeopardy as nobody who is undrafted this year, 
was on the roster after that cut to 53. Now, what could happen over the coming week is the Colts add someone to their 53-man roster who was an undrafted player. Excuse me. And then technically that streak will live on because you make the the week one roster. And I don't know, Joe, if like even this year, like I, I think what you can do is you can elevate two guys from the practice squad as well to and to make it a fifty-five man roster. That would be a really shady way uh, of extending <laughs> this streak. But I wouldn't put it past Chris Ballard to do so if it came down to that. Well, we will see. We will see. But that is also a possibly a possibility to happen. No, and we kind of talked about there weren't a ton of undrafted players that stood out and a lot of one, the ones they brought in were at positions where the Colts were already pretty deep like linebacker and at wide receiver you, you can't you can't get you know f- strike gold with a blankenship every year right and running and running back too you got Deion Jackson who had a pretty good camp I think he made the practice squad too I think the Colts signed him to it but um yeah like when you add people like when you're best it seems like um what is it? Uh, free agent, undrafted free agents are at positions of depth. Boy, that's just hard. It, uh, that's a great point by you. That like I think some of these guys might have made it in different years, and, and ultimately I think like the twenty-two year streak is it's somewhat of a badge of honor, but at the same time it's like can you build your roster a little bit better over these two plus decades so that you don't have to rely on undrafted free agents all the time? Sometimes it's, it's great. It's and a nice it works story out. when it works out. It is. Yeah. It's a great story. Like you get Jack Doyle, who's now been bid to pro bowls and you get Zach Pascal, who is one of the best, um, best blocking receivers in the league. You get hot rod, your boy, my boy, your boy. We get Rodrigo Sanchez, who is one of the best punters in the league. Luke Rhodes, who, who's been a very consistent long snapper and, he, the the best thing I can say about Luke Rhodes is I never mentioned Luke Rhodes, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, notice the positions is mostly special teams, wide receiver where the Colts were deep. Yep. You know, it, it's hard to find like a a undrafted left tackle, totally, or an undrafted stud pass rusher just because those premium positions go so early, and it's hard to find that many large men. Mm-hmm. The Colts have made a couple more moves this week, added a pair of cornerbacks off of waivers. Uh, Tharcarius Keys was waived by Kansas City. Love Chris, the name. Yeah, Chris Wilcox waived by Tampa Bay. Um, they were both seventh round picks over the past two years. Um, Ballard liked their traits, but also uh, the Colts had to waive Marvell Tell and Andre Sachery in order to uh, make that cut down to uh, 51 so they can add these two guys, Joe. Marvell Tell being waived was a bit of an eyebrow raise. I thought so, too. I don't think too many people expected that, but uh, I think Tell was already a fifth-round pick himself, yep. uh, if I believe correctly. And, and he was a the guy they're always transitioning from safety to corner, too. Safety so a lot to more corner. And, and then took he, last year off. It, it's hard to stay ready taking a year off when you're already so unproven. Um, so hopefully these guys can come in and be a beast. I'm really rooting for Tharkari, Tharkarius, Tharkarius. I would say Tharkarius, but I don't know. Tharkarius. Uh, I want to see Mike uh, try and spell Tharkarius because that'd be great. (laughs) He always says, I just have to spell it. Well, you're going to have to probably check that speller once or twice. (laughs) That's right. No, hopefully these can be guys that can compete for depth. I know the cornerback position is one of those positions that's a little bit up for grabs. You, you know, w- when stuff happens and players react to it, I always I think that's notable. And when these cuts were made, when the Colts cut Tell and Satchery, you had a couple guys, Kenny Moore tweeting out LOL, Darius Leonard tweeting out exclamation points, and there was someone else, I forget who it was, tweeted something in response to this too, uh, to these two cuts. And I, I don't know whether it was uh, more toward tell or toward saturate i would lean toward the latter because he had a really good camp and he had some good like 
position flexibility between corner and safety. I think it was a surprise for him not to make the 53-man roster. Um, but uh, nevertheless, when, when players make a note that something surprises them, especially when it comes to cuts, I think that's notable. So I, I, I really think some of these Colts players were very surprised that someone they thought deserved a roster spot did not get one. Which hopefully goes to show, you know, that the Colts felt highly about these players for a reason and they can come in and contribute. Um, it would be a shame if they cut those players who showed some good things for guys that really didn't do much. The Colts also added former Houston Texans wide receiver Kiki Kuti to the right. practice squad. He's missed 25 games in three seasons, so that's fantastic. Bring in another guy who will be on injured reserve all the time. Uh, he's never played more than nine games in a year, but Joe, he has always been a Colts killer uh, in his games against the Horseshoe, 300-yard games in his career, all of them coming against the Colts. He's like the T.Y. Hilton uh, against the Texans. He, uh, yeah. The Texan receiver is the, uh, the, the Colts killer. So they needed their own guy, but uh, to, to be that guy, uh, he is no longer with them. He's with the Colts. So, so if nothing else, you get him off the Texans roster so he can't gain 100 yards against you. And I think they put him on the practice squad at this yes. point now. Yes. Um, I- I love the pickup. I think it's nice. It gives you, he's a slot receiver. He's a small, quick guy who can get some separation um, near the line of swimmage, get the ball in his hands and do some things with it. Um, Not so good on him as he was the guy who Darius Leonard punched the fumble out Mm -hmm. that saved the game um, as he was about to score, I believe, his second touchdown of that game. But I like that he's a nice slot receiver that can be a backup to Paris Campbell. Because when Paris Campbell, if he were to leave the lineup again, knock on wood, the Colts don't have another one of those or didn't have another one of those type of players. Now they can put Cootie in there um, who can kind of fill that slot role. No, he's not as good as Paris Campbell. He doesn't have the long speed where he can run a 4-3. But his quickness is something that adds to a Colts receiving group that all of a sudden... It's very big. You got big guys like Pittman and Strawn and uh, Patman when he comes back from injury. Not as many of these uh, quick, fast guys. I wouldn't call uh, Pascal a quick, fast guy. Um, So he adds uh, another flavor to the Colts receiving group. I think that's a tremendous point. Like, you need to have guys to fill in at certain roles on your Mm -hmm. team. And if, yeah, if God forbid... Paris goes down, yep. Uh, like You don't have anyone, and no one can exactly replace him. Just like we saw a couple years ago when Kenny Moore went down. No one could replace Kenny Moore, but the Colts really didn't have anyone on their roster who could really fill that spot. And that's why they went out and signed TJ Carey in the offseason, so he could be a better slot corner than anyone else they had on the roster. So you, know, you, you have to sign people uh, for specific roles. And Kiki Kuti, if he does play a game... Uh, for the Colts, like we said, he's just on the practice squad right now, but it will be in a certain role that that he is that he is good at, that he is specifically yeah. good at. This is not shown he can produce exactly. This is not to be T. Y. Hilton at, at all. This is a, a, a just in case to be able to fill a limited role on the roster in case the worst happens. Um, Chris Bauer has said this roster is going to remain fluid. They're always looking for players, as we know. Um, so they could make some other moves before the season begins, Joe. I don't know exactly what that would be. Um, it, it might have to do with uh, other players getting uh, getting COVID uh, uh, sidelined or uh, injuries, obviously. But um, but right now, I think cornerback was the only one that I thought exiting camp that could see some moves because it just hadn't been that impressive uh, so far. It was one that they were kind of light at. Uh, other than that, I don't know exactly where any other moves would be coming from right now. I think tight end, maybe. I think they only have yeah. three right yeah. now. Granson, Ali Cox, and... Uh 
uh, Beanstalk, Jack Doyle. Uh, so maybe they could look to add a tight end. I know that uh, who's that? Uh, 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 Khalil Clear Warring is that the guy that they yeah, picked up? Th- yeah, I feel like the he just keeps getting like claimed off waivers and dropped by teams over and over again. Right. Uh, he didn't. He, he lasted maybe two days, but maybe they bring him back. Um, a lot of the times the Colts have gone with four tight ends. Um, so maybe they add a guy in that position and teams are going to keep making cuts over the coming days. So maybe someone they really like becomes available. That was a really weird move to me when you, when you put in a waiver claim for a guy and then you just release him after two days. That was, I, I don't know yeah. what the deal is. Like, I don't understand all the roster dynamic, but that just seems strange. Like, yeah. So, so that's a name. To and the watch. Patriots had just did that to him before. Uh, Poor guy. I know. Maybe he'll stick somewhere. I remember coming out of the draft, he had a little bit of hype as a mid-round tight end who might be able to do something. Hasn't been able to do anything yet, but tight end is one of the areas to me that I think they might address. Well, since our last Colts Blue Zone podcast, the Horseshoes did wrap up their preseason. We don't want to devote a lot of time to a preseason football game, especially one Joe where we barely saw starters. But one of the starters we did see, was Quiddy Pay. He had himself a heck of a day uh, very, very early on. Nice quarterback rush, sack, strip, Colts take over inside the red zone. And it was it was like looking down on it, it looked like him and Kamoko were at the quarterback at the same time. I mean, this was this was Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney meeting at meeting at the quarterback. And I'm not comparing these guys to them in terms did. of. I'm not. I, I no, think, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. I think we have our next deal. Stop it. <laughs> not comparing them in terms of skill. Just comparing them in terms of that one play that you saw over the years and years and years on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium or at the RCA Dome before that. Those two guys meeting at the quarterback. Daggummit, Joe. I hate you so much. No. But uh, but but seriously, Quiddy, your boy. Um, has had a mighty fine preseason. And I know I have been a little bit more cautious about my hype for Quiddy in the, this year because I, I've said and I maintain it, how the heck does he fall to 21 when he's, when he's if you want a stud pass rusher, those guys Michigan, go higher than 21. Like, yeah, These like, Michigan players right now with Jim Harbaugh, man, they, they, they come into the league and they're unleashed and they ball out. That, that's why, because Michigan holds them back. 93.6 pro football focus pass rush grade in the preseason is the highest by a rookie defensive lineman since 2013. So there are like, there's no reason not to be excited about Quiddy Pay right now. I saw that in a tweet. I wish they would have said who that lineman was. So we knew if they ended up being good or not. Right. Let's go back. Hang on. Let me bring up the 2013 draft really quick on my phone. We're getting close to the end of the, um, uh, the show. So I can, uh, I can do this and, uh, just bide for time a little bit. 2013 NFL draft. Who could it have possibly been from maybe the first round or so? But 30 defensive ends. I don't know. Player selections. All righty here. Here we go. Uh, the 2013 NFL Draft. Oh, that was Eric Fisher being taken, number one. Uh, Dion Jordan to the Dolphins, third overall. Ezekiel Ansa for the Lions, fifth overall. Barkevious Mingo Barkevious. to the Jaguars. Yeah, to the Browns. There we go. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, maybe, with the Jets, could have been up there. He He's done pretty well. Star Latulale. Uh, Ansa had some good years early uh, in yeah, his career. Yeah, Ansa might have been. Bjorn Werner to the Colts. Maybe it was Bjorn. Ugh. I'm Ugh. sorry. I couldn't help myself there. And every single Colts fan is now desubscribed from the Colts Blue Zone <laughs> podcast. <laughs> My bad, Joe. I've, I've single-handedly, in one sentence, ruined everything we've built over the last three years. Yeah, I think that was Grigson's first pick, was it not? Uh, no, that was Andrew Luck. No. Yeah, that was Andrew Luck. That was, yeah, 20, that was 2011. So, 
Uh, anyway, and and right after he goes, uh, then uh, Xavier Jones, uh, Xavier Rhodes, Xavier Jones, Xavier Rhodes is taken by the Vikings right after two Florida State guys that Dave Griffiths himself covered down in Tallahassee. Anyway, um, hey, Joe, this time next week we're going to be talking Seahawks. You pumped? I'm I'm excited. I'm ready. I got to be honest. Um, I did not catch all of that last Colts preseason game. That is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready for the NFL regular season to be here. I am ready for my fantasy teams to bring home more championships and hopefully the Colts to, uh, I don't know, maybe championships too much, maybe a banner, another uh, AFC South championship at least. They're certainly going to be interesting from week to week. I can promise you that. Yeah, it's not going to be a boring season. No, so, so quite I'm, the opposite. I'm ready. Hopefully we'll have Mike Chappell back next week to, mm-hmm. uh, to give his contacts on things as well. But week one, Russell Wilson... Hopefully, Carson wins. Uh, I'm ready to go. I think it's going to be a good battle. Just to plant that bug in all y'all's ear, one week early, the Colts and Seahawks will kick off at 1 p.m. Sunday, September 12th on Fox 59, if you are located in central Indiana. So we look forward to bringing you the first Colts game of the year on our air and so many of the Colts games this year uh, on our air, virtually all of them, in fact. Uh, save for a Monday night game that's going to be on ESPN, of course. But yeah, Colts, uh, Colts on Fox 59 on CBS 4 uh, throughout this year. So we're excited for that. We're excited to get going. And we're certainly glad uh, to, to bring you the content week after week. We take it seriously, and we hope to have Chap back next week uh, to, to bring you all his takes as well. So for Joe Hopkins uh, and uh, the absent Mike Chappell, uh, I'm Dave Griffiths. Thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you on game week. <laughs>